Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 323. It goes uh, both ways. What's that word called? A palindrome. Yes, that's right. That's that's where we are this week. I feel like they that someone messed up. That word should be a palindrome. Exactly. Oh, the word palindrome should be a palindrome. The word palindrome should be a palindrome. But also palindrome, it, does it work for numbers or is it just for words? It, it, well, it works in the terms of what we're talking about right now. We're fine with that. They should have picked a word that went both ways, right? Like Anna, for example. As a yeah. Name. I mean, maybe something slightly more complicated than that, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> How can you? Is there a way that we can modify the word palindrome to be a palindrome? Uh, well, how far do you want to go? Maybe we could call it like <laughs> very far, go like up to palin, right? And then like reverse it. Palin nilap. Palinilap. What? P a l i n i l a p. Palinilap. Palinilap. Right. Palinilap. Is this a show? Hi, my By name's way- Mike Hurley, and I'm part of this podcast. <laughs> well, yes, Stephen, come on, be be a pro. It's not episode, so Mike Hurley gets to go first. Mike, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, my friend. Good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you are fine. Federico is also here. Federico, how are you? Hello. Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We're back together again, doing a podcast. That's what we love. It's every Wednesday. Just anchors the week right in the middle. You know. Yeah, if you want to listen to that podcast, go to Reality.fm. Like, it's like you were promoting it. Uh, so if you want to check it out, just go to our web, wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Wait, why, why would we promote our podcast on our podcast? In case somebody's like overhearing it. Connected <laughs> makes my week a palindrome because we record at noon my time on Wednesday, the middle of the week. Ooh. Is that a quality? Like making your week a palindrome? No, if you wanted it to be a palindrome, we'd have to start at like 11. So halfway through the show is the middle. We're a little lopsided. Okay. Yeah. Well, the start of the show is the middle of my week. Okay. It's all downhill from here. Yep. Do you prefer the first half or the second half of the week? The first half of the week is when I record all my shows. So I enjoy that. But then the second half of the week, I don't have to talk to anybody. And I also enjoy that. I love both sides. I'm very much a second half of the week person myself. Are you? Mm. Yeah. It's like there's the there's the big brother on Friday evening, <laughs> which I know that Mike's lo- Mike Isn't loves. Isn't it every day? No. Well, okay. There's the daytime <laughs> programming <laughs> that you can watch every day. There's yeah. a special channel. And they have the internet streaming service now where yeah. you can switch between multiple cameras even. Mm-hmm. And they, they disabled the multi-camera feature a few weeks ago, and people went crazy. And the, the network had to send like a public apology, and they restored the multi-camera option if, like a week later. Anyway, Why did they get rid of it? COVID. Uh, because of COVID, they, need, yeah, they needed to have uh, less um, staff uh, in their studios. Oh, like the cameras are not robotic? Well, some of them are, some of them are manual. Mm. And... Uh, um, so anyway, they restored the multi-camera option now, and uh, so there's the daytime you can watch every day. But the there's also the prime time show with the actual host and like you know the the people like who were eliminated from from the game. They join the host in the studio mm-hmm. and uh, they talk and they show you little segments from the week. So basically, the primetime show on Friday and Monday evening is like a recap of the past few days plus like 
who got in a fight, who's fallen in love, you know, all that kind of stuff. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. And you can vote. You can vote. And of course, there's the, like the um, voting from home. You can vote via the app, mm-hmm. via text messages, whatever. Yeah. Why are we talking about this? I don't know. Follow up. You never, Did you even introduce Federico? Yeah, I said yeah, Federico's here too. And we, we talked in a, about... In a very sort of a... Nonchalant know. way. Mm, yeah. Nonchalant. <laughs> the former keynote chairman, Federico Vitici. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and soon to be former annual chairman too. Uh, okay. What, what, what about me, former friend, Stephen Hackett? <laughs> 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 what have I done? We have a bunch of follow-up. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. A couple things here. J.W. Hamilton has made a website uh, that if you click the big button that says hey on it, it just is one of us saying hey over and over. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, my favorite thing is uh, J.W. Hamilton's recreation of the Hey logo, mm-hmm. which looks like one of those mm-hmm. hand turkeys. Yeah. But yeah. to be honest, that's what the Hey logo looks like anyway. I am saving this website for Mac Stories Selects Awards. Really, really. <laughs> do, you, do you award websites now? <laughs> no, we don't. But I will make the case for this one in mm. particular. Really good website. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you, Justin, for making this. It is absolutely fantastic. I've been using Hey, hey. this week. You may have noticed that my, my email address was last week's show title, ISMH. Best show title. At Hey.com. Episode okay. title. What did I say? I said it was the best title. Show title? Just the best title. Yeah. Okay. It's a good, good title. It's pretty good. I've gotten lots of emails from people. Everyone's very nice. I've gotten pictures of pets. I've gotten offers of old technology, some of which I hit up uh, t- to adopt. Lots of emails that just say, hey. And I've, I've been responding to most of those with Yo. Do you remember that app? Yo? Yo. 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 Oh, yo. my God. Yo. Yo. Was that like five years ago? <laughs> what was it about? You could just send. Yo. You could just yo people. Mm-hmm. You could oh, just man. send somebody a notification. And it said yo, right? Was that the one that did the pizza thing, or was that a different thing? No, it was that one that did the pizza thing. Yo, think, did yo for pizza? I think so. You could yo for pizza. Hmm. Okay. They didn't they have at some point like a bunch of spin-offs because they were trying to make it work. It was like yo for Slack and yo for pizza. Am I making this up? I'm probably making this up. According to their Wikipedia page, their website is down now, but Yo was shut down in 2016. It was sunsetted. Oh, wow. Sad, but they sad. opened a Patreon to keep it going, though. Oh. Let's see how that's doing. Can I become a member? Let's see how this Patreon's doing. Yo. 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 Yo Patreon. Yo is creating joyful moments. Oh, that's nice. I agree. It's nice. 41 patrons. Um, is this the Yo? I mean, it's a purple logo. Yeah, no, that's linked from the Wikipedia page and a Mashable article. Okay, so I want to know about these 41 people. <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> well, they needed fifty. They needed 5,000 <laughs> to keep you running, so... <laughs> what are these 41 people? Why are they donating money to Yo four years after he shut down? <laughs> Why? Like, are these employees? I don't know. Like, I just want to understand what are they getting out of it? The satisfaction that they're keeping a a young startup afloat. Oh, but no, you're not keeping it afloat. No. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so 
I've been using Hey a lot. I've gotten hundreds of emails. If you haven't emailed me, now's the time. ISMH at hey.com. I'm answering all of them. So you'll get a reply from me. I have to say, after using it daily for a week, a lot of the features in Hey are really awesome. Like everything you talked about, Federico, is cool. And then I listened to app stories and I thought I need to switch all my email to Hey. But it's really not something I'm I'm going to do. I'm not willing to move to something so locked in and definitely not for like business email. And and I understand the way you and do your email. I like my accounts to be separate. So I'm not moving to it, but they have a lot of really interesting, neat things in Hay. And uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty cool. So what did you like the most? I like screener a lot uh, because of course, when you just put an email address on the internet, you get start getting spam. So I've gotten a lot right. of messages from listeners, but I've also gotten some messages that are that are not things that I want, and I can just get rid of those. The thing where you can, what is it called? I'm trying to open the app. Uh, when you say, like, deal with it later, and it pins it to the bottom, uh, set aside. That's what it is. Set aside is really cool. So you can just, like, come back to something. I don't love the Mac app. We talked about that. Like, mm-hmm. something stupid, you, you have to upload your own contacts. It failed for me. I exported my contacts from... Contacts app at 753 contacts and it just didn't upload them. It would just spin forever. It's like you're a Mac app. If you were a real Mac app that was good, you could just use my local contacts, but of course it can't. Uh, that's a bummer, but all in all, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, pleased you liked it. Yeah. Um, maybe at some point you will reconsider. Maybe. Um, uh, you know, if I cancel, if I don't renew my thing, it's all something in this discord or whatever maybe when i was looking through the documentation so if you don't pay you don't have access to your email address anymore is that right yeah so uh listener daniel striker sent some stuff in about like there are issues with mail forwarding um that it's not completely accurate so if you are relying on mail forwarding that that won't work because he he's been getting a lot of bounced email and also, if, when you cancel your account, you get given this uh, kind of selection of things that it tells you. So it says, all right, so want to cancel your account? Here's what happens. We won't charge a credit card again. You'll no longer be able to send and receive emails using your Hey address. Since you've paid for your Hey address, it's reserved forever, but no one else will be able to claim it. But you won't be able to resume using Hey with this address in the future. If you think you might want to keep that address, keep your account open. Which I hate that. That is lame. Like it literally says that. And then it says you'll be able to set up email forwarding for up to 30 days after you cancel and your data will be deleted from our servers within 30 days. But the issue being, right, like, yeah, you can set up the forwarding, but the forwarding isn't completely reliable. And of course, this only re- applies to the at hey.com email addresses. Right which I don't think people should use. Like, if you really want to go in for Hey, wait until you can get your own domain, I think. Plus, that would be my recommendation, is to is to wait and do the Hey for work thing. Um, but yeah, I, I find some of that stuff... That's again, gross. like, I will mention it again, of like, 
this doesn't really seem to be coming from the same company from that guy who's like really really against apple for and calling him mean and bad and 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 doo-doo heads or whatever he'll say you know like that kind of feels a little bit like uh organized crime like to me you know like oh don't worry we'll we'll reserve it but you're not allowed to use it anymore if you ever want to come back don't cancel i guess i don't like that yeah, and I do think that one of the things the company should try and do is try and and uh, how how can I say this? Have a conversation with uh, what's his name, uh, David something. I'm sorry, David Hanamaya. Yeah, about DHH about his 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 tweets. You know, because it's like I don't think it's necessarily a good look. And like, if that's his personal opinion, then great. But it reflects on the business, I think, especially when you say something things like, some things like, like you said, Mike, like um, you know, calling somebody or or saying somebody is acting like members of organized crime, like that's you know a little too much, uh, taking things a little too far. So I do think that the, the the public image that that they have on on Twitter is problematic, but also like as you know, we are now in week two week three of using it for mac stories and the service is really good like mm -hmm. it, it, it we love it. it it's helping us a lot but i do feel like especially in our community the the tweets are the problem uh from from that person um th they don't reflect positively on people's opinions on the service which is i think if you're if you're the head of the company i think you should see that as problematic yeah so yeah, it's like uh, people people get upset about Tesla, right? Because exactly. Elon. And they did have a conversation with him. Yeah. Right? And yep. then, I don't know if he's following the advice. Well, I mean, he kind of then just decided to keep doing whatever he wanted. But Right. right. Uh, so, I have been thinking about this. I have been uh, hearing what you two have been saying. Um, I have listened to app stories. And I'll say, like, I'm intrigued, but the things that I've heard both of you say, it enforces why I don't think this is the service for me, right? So, like, the thing that I found the most interesting, Federico, is on App Stories, you referred to the idea of wanting to treat email like you would Slack, which we're mm -hmm. going to talk about later on. And I am totally on board with that idea, mm -hmm. right? Of, like, this is a tool for work, so I will just treat it like all of the other tools for work that I use, you know, like mm -hmm. Dropbox, uh, yeah. Like even like G Suite, right? Um, uh, Slack, these business tools that I use, right? Where I'm paying and I'm in the ecosystem of the company and whatever. Like email is kind of an outlier at this point that there is this like you pay for services and you can use the the tools from that service, but you can also just use something completely different and it will all tie in. There aren't many business-focused things that will allow you to do that. And I thought that was really interesting, but I just, for me, I think Hayes lock-in is too much. Mm. And and it, it makes me uncomfortable, um, especially the idea of, of, I really just don't like this point that I would have this fragmented point of email history. And I understand if you are not the type of person that searches your email a lot, that's mm -hmm. great. But I search my email for stuff constantly. 
Um, maybe this is unique to working in a sales environment, like as, mm. as uh, like quite a, a, a reasonable scale sales environment. Like so, John was talking about how on, on app stories about like this is when he would he would need to go back through some email for sales stuff, but over time that would go away. For me, that I know that's not the case, like because mm. I I very frequently will be searching for email for stuff for conversations from like nine months ago mm. and i think it would take a really long time for me to rebuild all of that for benefits that definitely exist but right now right now i'm not sure that it it outweighs for me and as i said i'm gonna do what i said i was gonna do which is once they unveil this this pay for work for everyone, I will move one of my own domain email addresses to it so I can actually really try it out with my own real email. But the idea of moving, again, it would require everybody to agree, but the idea of moving my Relay.fm email address to this mm. seems like a non-starter for me at the moment just because I'm I'm too deep Right in the old system now, I'm just too deep in it, um, and we'll talk about this later on. But like, you know, if I was starting something fresh from new, maybe I would think about it more seriously, right? Because then I'm starting from ground zero, so it doesn't matter so much. Um, but the idea of me switching all of my stuff into it, it's lacking some stuff. And and he could fix this, and he should fix this. Like, if they do want to offer a business product and expect to be able to get businesses to switch to it importing of archives is going to be a big sticking point for a lot of people not just mm -hmm. me yep right and so like i know that they haven't they haven't actually fully launched their work thing maybe by the time they do they would have gotten this feedback enough that they will do it but for me like that is a there, there are a lot of sticking points but right now that is the biggest one yeah that makes sense i get it and i think especially if it, if it doesn't work for you because you do search your email a lot Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely like uh, the, the showstopper in this case. Like, it, I get it. There's nothing you can do at this point. Because then I'm still keeping the old email service and app around, right? And it's like, right. uh, you know, and at that point, it would be, it would become quite a major frustration. But I do look forward to the point where I can put it through its paces with a, a quote real email address to me, um, yeah. and then see where see where I go from there. Yeah, yeah. Apple's much beloved highly anticipated leather sleeve for the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro has been released. Mm. Mac Rumors has a hands-on thing. I really wanted to bring this up for two reasons. One, to, to mock it uh, a little bit. Mm. But one thing I really like about it, and I like this on Android phones that do it too, is that it has this cool, like, always-on-screen factor. So the leather sleeve, like, it's like a sleeping bag for your phone. The whole thing goes in there. Mm -hmm. There's a little cutout so you can see the time. And for some reason, the earpiece, or I guess that's so that the front-facing speaker works. And it shows the time in there. And it, the color on the screen is tinted to match the leather sleeve. So this one is red, and the clock shows up red. I like this sort of always-on display thing. It's not always on, though. Is, is it, it not always on? No, it goes off. What? Well, why are we talking about it? <laughs> you put it in the notes. I thought it was always on. No. You can turn it on by moving the phone or whatever, but it's not always on. Are you sure? 
Yeah, you have to tap it or shake oh, the phone lame. or pick the phone up. Even in the sleeve? Even in the sleeve. It's okay. not always on. Okay. Well, the cutout will also display incoming phone calls. Although you can't, as MacRumors points out, you can't answer a call when the phone is in the other sleeve. So, so what's <laughs> the point of having the ear hole then? I don't know. I, th- I figured that the earpiece hole would exist because you could maybe swipe on that little screen and answer the phone. The earpiece hole. I think if you're playing music and then you shove it in the little leather sleeping bag, it, that lets the front speaker, mm-hmm. you know, because they use that for the second speaker. So I think it's just mm-hmm. for like audio listening. I don't know. Also, this is more expensive than a HomePod Mini. <laughs> just don't understand. <laughs> but mm. who's who? Who is this for? Like seriously, does anyone anyone out there? If if you are out there listening to my voice and this interests you, or you bought one, email me in the next seven days. Not interests. ISMH. We want to know if you've. You have to be a person who's bought it. Okay. Don't just be like, I think this looks cool. Okay. If, if you, you bought, bought this, this, tell me why. why? So mm. I want to understand. Clearly, Apple thinks people want this. I just want to understand the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This makes me think of of something that I wanted to mention. Um, so I received my MagSafe wallet this week. Oh yeah, yeah, and I actually really like it. Okay, and in liking it, I realized how lately, on a few different occasions. I have found myself going against the sort of a common wisdom of Apple nerds and their opinions. So I'm here to share some unpopular opinions. One of them is the wallet, the MagSafe wallet case is totally fine and I really like it. So do you feel like it gives, I mean, like, so the thing that people didn't like about it or criticize, critical of it was that it wasn't a very strong magnetic connection. It's totally fine unless you're wearing super skinny jeans. That that would be my interpretation of it. Like I can How put it in. in I can put it in your jeans. Well, I can. I don't know. I can put it in my pocket and it stays right. attached. I don't, I don't get it. Or okay. usually, like I keep it in a pocket of my coat in the winter. Or uh, like if I go outside, just wearing a hoodie, for example, uh, and I have pockets. Right. I can just put it in the in the in the pocket of the right. hoodie and and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I really like how it attaches, and you get the little animation. And yep. then when I'm driving in my car, because I have a MagSafe stand now, I can just put the wallet by the the, the like the the keys holder thing that I have in the car, while the phone is on the stand. And then when I need to get out of the car, I can just reattach the MagSafe wallet, put everything in my pocket, and I'm done. It's I think it works just fine. So I think I think this is one of those situations though where it's like. If you are not this type of person, it's difficult to judge it. You are a wallet-phone combo person, mm-hmm. right? And I would say that maybe a lot of people aren't, right? Like, clearly, the, the minority of people is people who want to have their wallet and their phone be one and the same, right? Mm-hmm. And because you are a wallet-phone person... Uh, I am like totally willing to accept that you like it, but if you're not a wallet phone person, I can also see why people would be like, "I don't get this." Plus, it doesn't attach very well. You know what I mean? That's the point, though. You want to be able to detach it 
relatively easily if you yeah. need to ta- if you need to take out a card. So it's like a it's a it's a balance there that you need to hit because like yeah. you're, you're in line at the supermarket, you don't wanna you don't wanna like stop and be like, hey, hold on, thirty seconds, I need to detach this super strong connection between yeah. my wallet and my phone. <laughs> you know, so like I think and I think they hit a perfectly fine balance there. So that's one thing. Second thing. I have three things, but the mm-hmm. next one is also our tiny topic. Uh, the okay. second thing, there were, and I didn't necessarily pay a lot of attention to this, but I saw them and I skimmed those articles. There were entire blog posts and tweets and opinions mm-hmm. being shared about the measuring system for buying a solo loop for the Apple Watch. Yeah. And my question is, what is so difficult about it? Well, I just took lots some of me- people who did it got the wrong yeah. thing. How? Yeah. How can you get it wrong? Have you never know, bought man. a Ask watch people before? Who did it. Like, Look, I just took some measuring okay. tape mm-hmm. and I measured my wrist. Yep. And I had a number because yep. that's how measuring tapes work. They what give was you a it? number. 18 centimeters. Oh, you see, we are, I think, okay, so I think the, the reason that we're having an issue here is I think the problem was people were printing out Apple's tool. So Apple project provide people have measuring tapes, right? But Apple say maybe not Apple said, ones. "Hey, if you want a solo loop, just print out our handy dandy N- tool." So people go, no. "All right then." No, you that's know? not what they say. When you go to the product page, they tell you, uh, uh, "Use our tool or do it yourself." Well, all right, but <laughs> it said use the tool, so people use the tool, right? So people use the tool that Apple created, and apparently the tool that Apple created doesn't necessarily produce uh, the greatest results. So you want to make me believe that people have printers in 2020, but they don't have measuring tape. Look, I'm not saying people don't have measuring tape. What I'm saying is people took Apple's advice to print the tool, right? Why why can't you just... See, I see this as, as nerds sometimes wanting to go the more difficult route for something that is so obvious. Just me- just measure your wrist. I'm a man of the people. Mm. And I am trying to defend the voiceless here on this show who struggle to get their solo loops, right? There's nothing to struggle with. Well, I'm a man of the people. I also don't want a solo loop, so I've never, <laughs> I've never tried to do this, you know? I just... Okay. But like okay. I'm on Apple's website right now, right? Yeah. And it says band size. So it says the band comes in different sizes. First, use our guide to find your exact size. And you click start your measurement. And then it, all it tells me is uh, to download the to download the printable tool. It says do it yourself for me. There's like a, a there's like two tabs. One is use our tool, the other is do it yourself. On Apple.com. Which is and, where on I am the Italian right now. Web, maybe Italians are doing it better oh, as the, always. I don't know. So, okay, <laughs> so the, the, the apple.com on the tabs it says printable tool or everyday items. I would never think to click everyday items. And then when I go to everyday items, it suggests using measuring tape. Fascinating. Fascinating. So you would never think of doing everyday items. You would well, rather print out a thing as a phrase, everyday items. Like I don't know what that... It's very likely that you have them because they are everyday items. I mean, I do have them. I have like three of these things at home. But I just, look, the thing is... Okay, look. You know what? Fine. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just merely trying to provide a counterpoint to you because mm. 
I do know a lot of people struggle to get this thing right. And I don't want to okay. say that they're stupid. Okay. No. No, I'm not saying that. And what I, are you saying? And I, I, I'm saying that sometimes, mm-hmm. and I see this in, 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 in people that I follow, sometimes they like to go to certain lengths mm-hmm. because maybe they're, you know, those are geeky solutions, even mm-hmm. though there's a more obvious and practical solution right under their nose. Right. You know, it's like, oh, it's mm-hmm. a whole project. Let's print out the tool from Apple and let's criticize how it works. Just measure your wrist and you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. So every day, the solo loop is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like it. And, I have uh, no interest in that watch band, but I'm pleased that you like it. Okay. Lots of disagreements happening. I love it. And I'm yeah, sorry I if I upset anyone. I know that people don't like it when I criticize nerds and geeks. Like, mm-hmm. I'm one of them. But sometimes you got to be practical about it, you know? Just, it doesn't, it, not everything needs to be a huge project to write a blog post about when you just need to measure your wrist. That was my point. Also need me? Can we move on? We good? I have something. Yeah, what is this? You're, you are, you are populating our document with keyboard links. This is purely for you. Oh, my, I need this. Yes, you do. So as of today, um, on drop.com, there is a keycap set designed by my favorite keycap designer who goes by the name of Beep. They have created their own version of the Apple Extended 2 keyboard keycaps. <laughs> so oh. it's called Extended 2048. It is a custom keycap set. Um, it is available to pre-order now and it ships, I think, in May or something. And so they have done a great job of replicating the visual design or not replicating this is a design in clearly inspired by the old apple keyboard style mm-hmm. um, from the, the way that the lettering looks and then also uh, beep has created a selection of add-on kits uh, that you might want to go for that include like uh, iconography and stuff so there are some um there are some uh, accents or modifier keys that look like the Finder logo and stuff. Oh, like the old, uh, like a lot of old Apple stuff. Like there's little um, little Macs and save icons and you know some of the like replications of the Susan Care iconography, but in a slightly more uh, modern style. Um, I really, really, really like uh, Beep's stuff, and. Uh, this is. I've been waiting for this set. I've been known that this set was coming for a couple of months, and I am going to be ordering it. So it's a little tricky. Like if you're coming to this for the first time, especially if you've never ordered a, a keycap set before, make sure that you read through the pages. Uh, make sure that you look through all of the different uh, kits that they have, because you might need to buy one or two of them uh, to fill out a keyboard that you own or may want to own in the future hmm. so i think this is super cool yes. i'm gonna be gonna be going in on a bunch of this kit so. i'm gonna want to steal this from you mm, well that's not how that works so these are just the keycaps right yeah and then you can choose the keyboard you want to use them on yeah you will buy your own keyboard and they'll fit nice. on any any kind of popularish regular keyboard that you would buy nice, nice. yeah this looks really cool mm-hmm. this makes me wish that i could type on a mechanical keyboard who's to say you can't i've tried i tried earlier this year i have uh hang on let me see i have a uh, whatever the popular key cron is yeah is it the k2 Robert, what switches did you get 
uh, the least. I'm looking at my email now. The least impactful one, because it wouldn't. Uh, okay. It's the it's the like the the lowest force actuation. Yes, because it's the force I have to put through my fingers that hurts. So I did I did back there K3 the ultra slim one, and I got the what is it the laser switches or something? Whatever was like the least mechanical. <laughs> laser switches. What do you know? They have like fun. the laser switches. Mm-hmm. What did they do on? Now do you I mean optical? Yes, that's lasers. Yeah. Sure. So we'll try. We'll see how that works. Uh, if anyone wants a Kcron K two, send me an email. <laughs> ismhandhey.com. We have done a lot of stuff. What if we take a break and then come back and talk about our tiny topics? But what what if we don't? What what would happen? Then to be a short show. Sure, we can take a break. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom from our friends at Solar Winds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. But no matter how good your content may be or how effective your marketing is, they're going to bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experience so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser device and platform they're using. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it is built to scale, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Here's what you do. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial. There's no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of the show and RelayFM. Big news in the charging world. That's what we're talking about first. We're going to talk about charging first. Uh, let's start with the MagSafe Duo. Federico, uh-huh. you, you want to tell us about this? The MagSafe Duo uh, became available for ordering last night with deliveries happening this week. And uh, for context, this is the foldable, portable uh, MagSafe charger thing that Apple announced with the iPhone 12. And uh, it folds, so it contains both an iPhone charger, a MagSafe iPhone charger, and an Apple Watch charger. And it requires external power, of course, which is not included in the in the box. And it's also not a cheap charger Mm -mm. at all Mm -mm. because this costs 129 (laughs) dollars and um and i also absolutely cannot wait for this accessory this was the third thing the third thing that i wanted to mention uh i bought it last night immediately and um i I got a notification saying that it was going to arrive on Friday, but just a few minutes ago, as we were recording, I got an update saying that it's coming tomorrow on Thursday. So I am excited about this because uh, for a very specific reason, I love MagSafe, right? And for the past month, uh, my nightstand, I've, I've removed all of the previous chargers that I had because I wanted to go all in on the MagSafe experience. And I've been using this very... Uh, this very simple and actually not even good-looking setup. I just have a MagSafe charger and an Apple Watch charger on the nightstand with the cables going 
uh, underneath the nightstand. It's very, very basic and very simple. And I love it. Like, I just love that when I'm done, I can just place the iPhone on the MagSafe thing and it, it aligns and attaches. And of course, the Apple Watch, it just stands there and uh, I can I can place it down or I can put it horizontally in, in uh, what's it called, nightstand mode. Mm-hmm. And so... And those, but those are like with the, they have the the cables, you know, like just floating there, and uh, the two chargers are separate. And so, in thinking about this, in thinking how much I like MagSafe, and the like, the idea of the MagSafe Duo became really appealing to me. Also, because it means it's going it's going to be a little more neat to see, you know, as a, as a, as an object on my nightstand instead of like these two lonesome chargers just hanging by, and. Also, it means that when I'm when I'm ready to start the day and I remove my phone and my Apple Watch from the charger, I can also fold it so it occupies even less space on my nightstand during the day and it doesn't bother me visually. So, I'm really into this <laughs> this little object, even though it's slightly more expensive than I would have liked, and even though I continue to believe that Apple is doing a bunch of stupid things by not including chargers uh, with phones and watches, and in this case, 129 charger that doesn't actually have a charger um <laughs> regardless i am very i am very keen to receive this item tomorrow you know what listening to you you almost talked me into it because i can look if there's one thing that i think positively about myself is that i can talk a lot of people into spending money on this kind of stuff yeah you are good at that because all those things you said and it only takes up one outlet which is nice yeah yeah. So, so I also love MagSafe. I've ordered the uh, Studio Neat Material Dock that has the um, you can put the MagSafe puck in it because I have this this issue, especially now because I'm using my phone without a case because the 12 Pro is nice like that. I'm always nervous that I'm going to like knock it off the felt on top of their wireless charger I use now, and I don't want that. That would be bad. But with the magnet, it's like stuck on there, so. I'm excited to get the uh, the new material dock. If this thing weren't $129 and I personally just don't really care for the looks, I think I'd be all over it. Now, if this were 2019 and I had like 30 flights like I did last year, I traveled all year, it felt like, this would, would be nice while traveling. But uh, that's not something I'm doing currently, so... Not this is not for me for now, but I'm really ex- I'm really interested to see how you like it, and in particular, like how it holds up over time. Like, does it get dirty? Like, if you fold and unfold it a bunch, does that thing begin to crease in the middle? Because it, it looks kind of cheaply made on the website. I'm very curious about the, how that holds up. I'm more keen to hear about this next week. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know how you feel about it actually after having used it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I I understand what you mean about like it's the two cables you already use these two things separately, but I just wonder if like if you combine them, do they get better or do they make or do both of them become worse? If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like the floppiness of it all is such a it seems like such a downside to me, like and a, 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 like a frustration. So it's I'm intrigued flop- if if it works the way you want. Floppiness is 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 an issue. If you touch it all the time, <laughs> no. But what I mean is, you're not constantly going to be attaching and detaching your phone from the charger, right? So it makes for a good demo in a video, in a tweet, mm-hmm. 
like, oh, look how floppy this is. It's totally yeah, yeah. not a quality product. But like, at least the way that I charge my phone, I just, I tend to place it on my nightstand once. Just once and then go to bed and then pick up. And in the go morning. to bed, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if I want to top up my phone during the day, I have other chargers for that that give me, you know, quick lightning-based charging with like a 20 mm -hmm. i have the 29 watt uh, usb-c charger and i can use that if i want 100 watts just pump straight into the phone i get it uh, maybe i'm gonna end up sticking like uh, adhesive tape to the bottom maybe i don't know but i, I don't think it's gonna be an issue because all i want to do is just place it there and, mm -hmm. and rest assured that it will align and snap to the charger so that my phone in the morning will always be at 100 percent. apple's apps of 2020 hmm uh some so, interesting selections for sure yeah yeah i i don't like disagree with anything it's like i feel like last year i remember being yeah more well, perturbed about some of the picks that apple made perturbed <laughs> is like, a really good you have these really good words that you use sometimes is the best words perturbed it's because it's you know it's all english right so <laughs> Um, and so they've, they've picked a bunch of, of, of applications. I was actually quite surprised that I have never heard of Apple's iPhone app of the year, um, which is an app called Wake Out. But let me tell you, I have been meaning to download this because it just sounds like a, quite a clever application. It is an app to give you like little kind of stretches and movement workouts to do throughout the day when working from home. And I just think it's quite a clever idea for an app. And also I can see one of the reasons that they've picked it, right? Like it's kind of of the now. Um, quite a lot of the, actually all of the app picks have some kind of like 2020 link to them, I think. I, I show this to Sylvia. I shall wake up to Sylvia. So mm -hmm. for context, uh, she took advantage of the lockdowns in 2020 to, in addition to being a dance teacher, to also become a, an officially registered uh, Pilates instructor. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's been doing a bunch of courses. She now has like two levels of degree. I don't know what it means. Um, in any case, uh, whenever she sees this like stuff of like exercises to do yourself at home, mm -hmm. she always tells me, that the 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 gist of it is that she's um, very skeptical of these apps and, and services because people she says that most people just hurt themselves by yes. doing these exercises wrong. Yes, this is always a problem for me, uh, <laughs> right? Um, but I don't know how involved this is. This application yeah. seems really like simple. Like looking at like from what they're asking you to do, looking from their screenshots, like it looks like a lot of more stretching yeah. than exercising, it, it, which should be fine. I yeah. think stretching should be fine. Um, so you know, like that, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. This is an application that I've been meaning to check out. Uh, their iPad app of the year is Zoom, which is a funny <laughs> pick, but I get it Come at on. the same time. <laughs> funny, F funny. As in, like it's just. A weird pick, right? Like it's a bad app. It's a bad app. It's a huge company. I get the message, like yeah, Zoom for iPad. Spoiler alert: Apple don't use Zoom. Uh, mm. You know, like there's yeah. just like a lot of funny parts about it, but you know, it's not. It's not. It's the most popular iPad yeah. app of 2020, and I think yeah. they may be conflating popularity for quality. Yeah, um, and it's also just kind of funny. It's like 
Apple make FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, they don't make FaceTime for business, though. So I. But they should have. <laughs> should they? Um, <laughs> why not, right? Well, Apple doesn't make really any... Do they make any business tools for like... iMessage for business or whatever it is. Business chat. Business chat. Be- before we move on, you guys missed the most important thing about Wake Out. Okay. Look at that icon. I know, just, it's a little character. Just little soak bear. it in. The green monster? It's the blah blah car guy's cousin. It's a bear on a chair. It's a green it's, bear on a no, chair. No, it's like a... It's not a bear. I think it's a. It's bearish. It's it's definitely a mammal type of animal. Sure, it's a bear. I think it has some bear traits. To it's it. terrible. It's a bad icon. It's a bear on a chair. Uh, you know the the most concerning aspect of that bear are the nails, the claws, like claws, the claws, the claws, the yeah. claws. Yes, uh, those are very concerning. Like it's to, to show me, it's a bear. It says that it's a bear, and it's friendly. But you don't want to mess with it. Don't. Because it's still a bear. Screw with the bear. Because that bear. Don't screw with the wake up bear. We'll, we'll get you. Uh, Mac app. Fantastic L3. Right. This is a great app. Big fan. It's one of my favorite apps. Uh, Apple TV app. Disney Plus. Okay. Sure. Sure. Why not? Right? Like, why not? Uh, Apple Watch is an application called Endel which is algorithm-driven soundscapes for sleep, relaxation, and focus. This sounds like something Federico would have used. Good good pick. I know folks who use Endel. Um, and uh, also, this category. This was one of the things we were complaining about last year. They had no Apple Watch category, and they've done one. So, yep. good job. You, 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 you did it. This is very nice. All the platforms are covered, I guess. Yeah, they are. Games. So, they're the, they're the apps. I think they're fine, right? Like I say, overall, this is a better showing than last year. They've picked relevant (laughs) stuff. Zoom is a weird app to give an app of the year to, but at the same time, I can understand why they've done it. Yeah, yeah. I get get it. It's just... It's funny. At the very least, Zoom for iPad was recently updated with the option to use the... uh, the front-facing camera while in split view. But until like... Until oh, two man. weeks ago, it didn't even support this. And I, I will tell that. you, I will not be surprised if Apple went to Zoom and they were like, look, we really want to give you this award, but please support this API and support <laughs> this feature. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it was a thing that lots of people... Most like, apps don't do this. Most video apps don't do this. Yeah, they, they got it like a couple of weeks ago. I mean, FaceTime... Was this way until recently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, iPhone game of the year, Genshin Impact. I've been meaning to play this one, yeah. I've been meaning to play it too. Yeah. What really, the turnoff for me is the, the, the what's it called, the gacha system? Uh, yeah. The, the gacha, uh, you know, free-to-play system. If you want to know what gacha system is, it's Crossy Road, where you will, yeah. like, you, you basically, you can get new characters by the roll of a dice, but also, hey, if you give us some money, mm. you get better odds. <laughs> the money makes everything better. But it uh, is apparently like Breath of the Wild, like yeah, it's 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 huge and it looks fantastic. And uh, this is part of the waves, uh, the the wave of games that are now coming out inspired by Breath of the Wild. Just this yes. week, for example, Ubisoft put out uh, Phoenix Rising, which is basically Breath of the they, Wild. They ripped it off. 
the Greek mythology edition. <laughs> yeah. Basically. And Gashin Impact is basically Breath of the Wild anime edition uh, with a free-to-play business model. So, And Genshin Impact is also one of these new types of games where the mobile versions, the actual versions, like Among Us is a similar yes. Yes. type of thing where it's like, it's the same game on PC, on console, yeah. on iOS. So, I don't know, Android. iPad game, Legends of Runeterra. Do I don't not, know this game. Don't know this game. It yep. looks like a kind of Hearthstone-like game it's made by riot which is apple's best friend because they broke up with ah, epic right right uh mac game disco elysium i also don't know this game really oh disco elysium is amazing it's okay. a re it's a really 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 good game and it, i believe it won best indie game at the game awards last year i think so yeah it's a really good game i knew the name but i don't know the game that makes sense. like the name rang a bell but i couldn't place it yeah uh, the Apple TV game of the year is Dandara Trials of Fear. I also don't don't really know much about this game, but it looks like a uh, Castlevania-like. Is, is, is this the game made in, by a small studio in Brazil? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, That's called nice. Raw Fury, is the development company. They make uh, a bunch of games. Um, I, don't, I don't really know. I've seen the icons of these games a lot. And then the Apple Arcade game of the year, Sneaky Sasquatch. Oh, nice. Well, Sneaky Sasquatch, though? Apple Arcade? Hmm. I know this was one that people liked, and it was a little bit out of uh, left field. Hmm. Uh, they also created the App Trend of the year. Now, this is interesting, because they created a, an award called App Trend, but then they give an app... A, a, so, a single app. Like a representative award, of the trend. Yeah, that is representative of that trend. Now, the trend this year is highlighting self-care, and they gave the award to an application called Shine, which is all about doing that. I think it was meditation last year, right? And mindfulness. I don't remember that, but that makes sense, sure. I think the app trend last year was meditation. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, currently all of the trends just relate to people being super stressed out and needing ways to take care of that. Um, they, for the first time, made physical awards. They made these beautiful interpretations of the App Store icon. They look really cool. Yeah, they do. Yeah, nice. It's nice to... It's a, it's a nice uh, thing to do, speaking as you know, someone who makes physical awards for apps uh, i think it's it's i think i think it's the right approach uh, you know i was i was like i felt like starting a timer to like when does federico mention either that or like huh good idea apple where'd you get that one from i think no i mean seriously i think it's a good idea uh <laughs> apple is not new to making physical awards they have the apple design awards so and the music award yeah they did that a couple of weeks ago they did it again mm -hmm. yeah their music awards it's a good idea apple also showed off the most downloaded apps of the year something happened which i hoped would happen and it did happen which is underscore david smith widget smith is on that list which huh. is unbelievable because mm -hmm. this app was out for three months three months and he got in that list you see zoom you're like okay 
pandemic. You see TikTok, Disney Plus, YouTube, the usual names, right? Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. Then you scroll to the bottom. Okay, okay I want to start from the bottom. Google Meet. It's like, okay, poor man's Zoom. Uh, Google WhatsApp, Spotify, DoorDash, makes sense. People are staying at home and they're right there. <laughs> Widget Smith. <laughs> uh, you're looking at a slightly different list to the one that uh, I This have. is the US App Store, I think. I think I'm looking at the US App Store one as well. I don't know. but uh, I don't the, think they're necessarily I, in order of um, downloads, maybe? I don't know. The, the order is not is not changing for me but nevertheless what i'm seeing is from the bottom up google meet google venmo whatsapp widget smith um let's imagine there's some sort of order to it whatever but i think the the the, the biggest one to beat here was google meet because the other applications apps like google and whatsapp you could argue lots of people already have them right but mm-hmm. Google Meet is surely an application that lots of people needed to download this year, right? Throughout mm-hmm. throughout the whole year because of their organizations moving to video conferencing or whatever. But nevertheless, where underscore sits on this list, the fact that he is on this list and every other app on this list is multi-million, if not billion-dollar companies, every single one of these is a massive company except Widgetsmith, right? What, you've got Zoom, TikTok, which is ByteDance, Disney, Google, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, Cash. Is Cash owned by Square? I think so. Right? Amazon, Netflix, Netflix. DoorDash, Spotify, Venmo, and then CrossForward Consult. (laughs) Which is incredible. These are your apps. Is underscore what the kind of person that we refer to now as a celebrity developer? Yeah. He is, right? Based on this, underscore is the, of 2020, the best performing solo developer. Yeah. Right? He is. He should have gotten the award for developer of the year. Yeah, well, he gets mine. In 2020, nobody <laughs> downloaded an application made by one person more than Dave. Unreal. Because every other app on this list is made by teams of hundreds, if not thousands, right? Makes you think, right? Deep stuff. It's incredible. It's yeah. incredible. And it, it couldn't happen to a better guy. Like, I, I love Underscore. He deserves it more than anybody else. It's It's... I I knew this list was coming, right? It comes every year, and I have been hoping so much that he would be on it. And so I'm very pleased. I'm very proud of him, and I'm very pleased to see him there. And it's it's awesome. And by the way, if you haven't checked out Widgetsmith recently, Dave's been doing some really cool stuff because he's leaning into what the people are using it for. So there's like there's new themes, um, and there's new like uh, there's like a whole new theming system. So you can create one theme and apply it to all of your widgets, and also like um, uh, seasonal stuff. So there's a lot of like holiday focused stuff now. He's doing good stuff with it. He's leaning into what it's about. And I think that's very smart. What I love about it is is that we just meet this DOG, right? It's like, uh, this is the app that started it all. Mm-hmm. And 
so when David adds new stuff to it to, to respond to like the whole aesthetic thing, for example, it doesn't sound desperate uh, because th- that's the person who, who made it happen. And, and, and unlike all these other copycats that I now yes. see on the app store, all these folks that are like changing their app titles, like aesthetic home screen, like I see hundreds of those mm-hmm. apps on the app store th- they all seem kind of desperate to an extent mm-hmm. you know and we just meet this the original and it's still the best one like just yeah. a few days ago i wanted to have like a very specific time zone widget and of course i i was able to make it with widget smith so like this and and i i love how he's leaning into what became a trend without necessarily altering the nature of the app because this this app was born for that kind of purpose when that purpose did not exist. Yep. It's it's incredible. Yeah, he's it's one thing to have this success happen to you which happened to him, right? That's one thing. But then to be able to adapt and move forward with it, it's like mm-hmm. a whole other thing. And and yep. that's what Underscore's been able to do. And and I think th- that is the truly impressive thing here. It's like he, he was able to capture lightning in a bottle, but he's held on to that and he's moving forward with it. And and I think it's it's pretty awesome to see. Uh and, and like the, the, the changes that he's making, they're like it's the app is legitimately better now, right? Like it's just like it is better at what it does. But yeah, anyway, the, these awards were, I would say, much better than last year. I think Apple have clearly, spe- I think, not. I'm, I'm not saying that they are responding to criticism because I don't, I don't really think many people criticize it other than us because uh, it's just people are just like okay, that's what happens. Maybe they are responding to us. Maybe they are responding to us directly. Um, but I what I the more the point that I'm making is I can see a lot more thought went into it this year. I think. I mean, and that is borne out by the fact that they now have um, awards for it. They clearly see it as being more important. One thing they didn't bother spending any time with uh, is Apple Music Replay. <sighs> this is so sad. So it's the end of the year, so we can all finally go to that weird-ass site and get our... <laughs> like, why does it not show up in the Apple Music app, right? I, I have to go to the stupid website, reauthenticate myself again, and just get some janky playlist that I can add to my library. And it's like a time where Spotify are continuing to add more features, right? Like Apple had to do this to respond to Spotify wrapped and then just didn't bother to do anything else. And Spotify this year have added a bunch of new features, including you can play a quiz to guess what your favorites are, which I think is quite clever. You can take your most uh, your most favorite song, like your top song, and you're able to watch like on a timeline how that song became popular which is cool. So like if you really love that song, you love that artist, you get to see the timeline of like, oh, this is how long it took to get to 100 streams and this is where it blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, you now have more. Uh, they're also like expanding. They expanded it last year to include podcasts and now they're doing more listening stats. And I will say as a podcaster, I've really liked the past few days where people have been tagging me in the stuff that they're sharing from Spotify yeah. to be like, oh, look at all this, which is, by the way, podcast app developers, you should be doing this, right? I, I will now hold you to f- your feet to the fire the same way I want Apple to do this for Apple Music Replay because if you uh, care about keeping your users, you've got to stop them from saying, hey, Spotify does this stuff better. I want stats like that. 
right? So this is the same thing at Apple Music should be doing this. Podcast app developers should be doing this kind of stuff too. And they're also doing more personalized. So that also includes Apple Podcasts, more personalized playlists using the music data as well. So it's not just like you get this one, this is your most played stuff. They use the data from that to build more playlists for you. And I just think that, it's ridiculous that Apple isn't doing something here because this is genuinely a thing where people feel FOMO for not using Spotify. And you do not want that for the service that you make, mm-hmm. right? You as Apple or as any provider of audio now do not want to be in a situation where people are going, if I used Spotify for a year, I could join in this social media mm-hmm. thing that happens on a yearly basis. I have a I have a funny story. I woke up this morning and I checked my website analytics and I saw over 3000 clicks on a specific link. And I saw that it was an iCloud.com link. And I thought, well, that must be a shortcut, an iCloud.com link on Mac stories and 3000 people wanting to install it. And uh, I then realized what it was. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> yep. Because Spotify Wrapped is out, people have been Googling Apple, Apple Music, Music Wrapped. wrapped. <laughs> and they are finding on the first page of Google results my shortcut from two years ago called Apple Music Wrapped that generates, uh, I believe, a much more fun and informative report than what you get from Apple Music Replay. And it does it all in shortcuts and it creates a landing page in Safari for you and a playlist in the music app for you. And uh, they've been reinstalling it, and uh, uh, I've um, I've been getting a lot of tweets of people saying, "Hey, thanks for for the report," and they've been sending me screenshots of their top artists and top songs and whatnot. Um, so it's you know it's it's nice that this is still useful, and and I tried it again; it's still working just fine in uh, in Safari and shortcuts in in iOS fourteen. So. I mean, ideally, this should be this should be an Apple Music feature. I really don't understand why why they're not doing this. Yeah, I, and I don't, I can't think of a reason. Like, it's not a data thing because they produce something. Um, they must be aware of this, right? Mm-hmm. Surely, the Apple Music team is aware of this pop culture phenomenon that happens at the end of the year every year. I'm not sure why they're not putting the resources to it. Like, is it, does it fall outside of, like, Apple's, te- like, typical capability, right? Like, they don't build stuff like this, right? This is, like, a little web environment for a lot of people. But you could put it in the app. I don't care what the reason is. They need to do better here. They just do. Because this is a competitive advantage that Spotify's getting. You can choose if you think it's important to keep your competitive advantages. I can assure you it is, Apple, right? Like, you... If this is if if Apple Music is important to you, which it seems like it is, you need to make it a full and complete service. And I think Spotify is starting to make this kind of thing table stakes. What I think is also interesting is how Spotify Wrapped is it, it it sheds light on an idea of if you make it fun, and if you make it so that people have that that fear of missing out on something fun people are fine, they don't even think about, actually, the idea of, in a way, being tracked in their behavior, right? Because they don't see it that way. 
because they, they get this colorful, informative and useful report at the end of the year. And I wonder if that's maybe what, what Apple has a problem with, the idea of sort of in a way confirming that they keep track of all of the, these different data points about you and, and balancing that with some people like us saying, but yeah, I'm fine with this because I find this useful and I find this fun. Please aggregate this data and give it to me at the end of the year. But like they do, they are, I mean, like Apple make this stuff available to you, right? I'm, like, I'm not sure if the Apple, that's the problem. I'm not sure if the Apple Music Web Service has all the data points that Spotify has. Mm, and personally, mm, I see okay. that as a limitation. Mm-hmm. Because I would love to have a native Apple Music wrapped with all of the stats being aggregated from all of the different ways that you can use Apple Music, right? From all the kind of speakers and, and devices and TVs that you want to use Apple Music from. And I wonder if that's the limitation they're getting stuck upon, maybe. Right, but again, like, you can solve any problem. Oh, absolutely, you can. In fact, I think it's a... No, what I'm saying is I think it's a political decision. Internally, I, I have my concern is that they do not want to do this. Not that they can't. Yeah, I can. I understand what you're saying. I know that you're that you buy this too, but like that's the wrong move. Oh, I agree. Right? <laughs> they should do this. They should have done this years ago, mm. and they're they're like five years late to this mm -hmm. at this point. So, yeah, it's too bad. They should like what I what I miss about like. I'm totally fine with Apple Music, but what I miss from Spotify is exactly this: like their their willingness to try this, this this ideas with with you know data collection and and intelligent recommendations that go the extra mile. Because on Apple Music, yeah, you get the mixes and you get the Listen Now page in iOS 14, but it always feels kind of like the old way of doing things. It's like, hey, yeah, here's, here's some suggestions for you. I can make an additional point on, on your, um, I think, well-argued point about it being a political decision. I think that if Apple truly believed this stuff, you know, then they need to be able to provide tools that stop people from wanting to use the companies that they believe collect too much data. Right? Like, if you have this in your DNA as a company that you believe that data should be harvested accurately and kept securely mm. and with privacy in mind, the alternative that you're creating needs to provide the functionality that people feel they're missing. You're following what I'm saying? Like, mm. one of the best ways to stop people from having their data collected by Spotify is to make Apple Music equally comparable absolutely yes right yes so like if if that is your like cross to bear then make it in your product and you know like apple photos does a good enough job here right mm -hmm. it's not as good as google photos but it does a good enough job with yeah. like machine learning and picking up people and letting me search for things within photos it's not as good as google but it's mm. enough to keep me there because i get most of what i need but it's right? good enough yes it's good yeah. enough and and i don't think that apple music is good enough compared to spotify like they they do a decent job with the playlists but the best playlists that apple make are the curated ones not the stuff based on your data 
Spotify seems to still have a, a, a leg up on there based on the people that I know that care about this kind of stuff. Um, and I think that the Spotify wrapped is the perfect encapsulation of their inability to accurately serve this information back to the user. Agree. Yeah. And and I and I and I wrote this in my iOS 14 review. I I generally believe that Apple Music has such a terrific advantage compared to other services when it comes to what they're doing as a as a music company, if you will, as, as think about it as a subsidiary to Apple, what they're doing with, with the with the interviews. And especially in 2020 with the pandemic, what they have done with all the uh, Apple Music at home series of interviews, what they have done with the Apple Music One relaunch for radio, what they have done with all this uh, slate of original programming that they have on Apple Music, that's awesome. How much they're wasting this opportunity by making effectively all of this essentially undiscoverable on Apple Music and not taking advantage of all these things that they have to recommend it to you in a more, I don't want to say intrusive way, but just in a better way. Like, a lot of people have no idea all these interviews, all these shows that they can find on Apple Music. And you know why? Because it's been five years since they've been doing radio. They don't even have a schedule page in their app, like a proper schedule page where you can see all the shows coming up in your time zone and where yeah. you can set notifications. You know, like the basics. For well, I remember following. us complaining about this when it began. Yeah, and it's, right. it's still the case. It's like, what are you doing? You're investing money, but then you're not actually making it easy for people to discover any of this. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I just feel like if Spotify were doing this, you know how much they would be pushing it. Look at what they're doing for podcasting. They just got mm. into it, and look how much they're, they're, they're behind it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just feels like they're wasting a, a pretty big opportunity here with Apple Music. All right, Mike, you want to tell us about our... Second sponsor? Well, it's, it's, the, it's the listeners. So we're encouraging you to go to connectedpro.co and sign up. You can become a member. You get ad-free longer episodes of Connected every single week. We have bonus content at the beginning and end of the show. We do, if you like our japes, there's typically quite a lot of japes contained in there. Um, some secrets and interesting stuff going on. And uh, today includes, for some reason, a surprise from Federico. Um, he told us a couple of days ago that he has something that he wants to talk about on Connected Pro in the post show, but will not give us any clues. So if you want to find out Federico's big surprise, go to connectedpro.co. You can sign up there for $5 a month. Uh, you can also go to our website if you want to sign up annually. And you also benefit from all of the wonderful benefits that a Relay FM member will get. So you get access to our excellent Discord community and tons of other bonus content. But if you go to connectedpro.co, you will also get Connected Pro, which includes that uh, bonus content and ad-free episodes, and that helps support this very program. Connectedpro.co. All right. So up next, we got to talk about this. Salesforce buying Slack for a cool $27.7 billion. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. It's 27 Instagrams. Almost 28. Mm -hmm. It's like 27 and then an Insta... That's nice. It's about the rest yeah, of the word. Yeah, that's good. I, I, it took me a minute to work out what that, what mm -hmm. that meant. but It's not a palindrome. <laughs> well, no, we didn't call them palindromes. What did we call them? Pa pali, pali, ani, pa palinali. I I don't know. 
Palinalip. Palinalap. Palinalap. So people are freaking out about this, right? Mike, what do you think about this? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about this. So one of the f- things that I've been seeing a lot is people talking about this being like a failure for Slack, right? Uh, it's kind of like, oh, you know, everything they could have done. $27.7 billion is a big failure if it's a failure. Like, you know, I can I can understand the argument of people saying that they could have done more um, in in time with their like with their um, stock valuation, their stock price, you know, and also that they'd kind of uh, not had a great 2020, especially when it came to market cap. But $27.7 billion is quite is a success, right? Like, that's a lot of money when it comes to acquisitions. Uh, you know, like, I don't think anyone called it a failure when Instagram got bought for a billion, right? Like, I understand that people kind of wanted something, wanted a different path for Slack, but this is a lot of money. And, and also, I think it was 40 per- a 40% increase, I think, on their current valuation or something like that, or on their current stock price. Um, but, you know, this was a huge exit, if you would call it that. Um, one of the things that I'm interested in seeing is how and if the leadership at Slack changes. I, I haven't seen anything to indicate that. This seems like one of those, for the moment, one of those typical, like, we're going to leave the company how it is kind of acquisitions. Now, uh, in, in all of the... Um, reporting of this, I was reminded of the fact that Salesforce own Heroku. And as a Heroku customer, mm-hmm. I did not know this. So there is definitely some precedent for Salesforce buying companies that they think is good for them to own and not messing around with it. Right? So there is, you know, there is some precedent there. So there, there could be a situation where... Salesforce own Slack and help Slack be Slack, right? So I, I heard uh, Ben and John on Dithering talking about this, which is where I found out that Salesforce uh, owned um, uh, Heroku, that maybe this whole acquisition could help Slack go back to being what they were good at and what we liked them for years ago before they became like, we must push for the enterprise and be the best enterprise customer we can be. And now we're publicly traded, which means we now need to be the best for our investors. And where, of course, I'm sure that they're only going to double down on enterprise, right? Because that's what Salesforce is all about. They may at least be able to refocus the company on trying to be the best at what Slack is rather than like, Push in to integrate stories into the product. Push in to integrate video into the product <laughs> because they got you know they're they're, ha- they're butt handed to them by Zoom, right? Like, and those outside pressures, especially in 2020, I don't think has been very good for Slack and has probably been a quite a distraction for them. So you know, clearly Slack were not in a position to be able to grow in the way that the pandemic needed of them. So one, Slack is expensive. It's especially expensive when you compare it to Teams, where a lot of companies get Teams for free because they're already Office 365 customers. Mm -hmm. Because most, I mean, what business doesn't need Word, right? Mm -hmm. 
Like any business that deals with a business outside of their own needs Microsoft products. So they probably already have licenses for Teams because it's free if you have any of the other Microsoft stuff. Um, Slack uh, lacks video chat. Uh, so Zoom and then Teams took another big chunk out of them. Um so, you know, and, and kind of standing alone is difficult and has been difficult for Slack for breaking into large companies because Slack have to go in and say, hey, move to us. Hey. Right? Uh, hey. And where Microsoft can, can be like, you already use our products, so why not have your chat with us as well? And I think Salesforce might be able to help them, especially with that last piece because Similarly to Office, Salesforce is used in every large, medium to large company, right? Like, as I said, most large companies, right? Again, like, if you're in a sales organization, you probably have some kind of Salesforce product. And again, I we pay for a Salesforce product and didn't know that, right? <laughs> um, so there might be some element where Salesforce Salesforce can help bring Slack into businesses by being like, hey, you already have access to our CRM tool or whatever, our marketing platform tools. It's easier to integrate these with your communications if you use our product. Hey, our product's called Slack. So they might be able to help there. So, you know, this is interesting. There are people, you know, like there are people that know more about this than me. I'm like merely an armchair observer of this stuff, but I find it interesting anyway. I am not in the train of like, oh, well, now I've got to leave Slack. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I know you are, right? And we can get to that. And I understand. So, like, what I would say, though, is that this has solidified the point of view that I think we were talking about on this show a couple of weeks ago. Like, when I originally came to Slack, like the rest of us, I wanted to use Slack because it was different. I had hopes that it would push things forward. And it definitely did, right? Like, company communication so much easier in slack than all of the ways that we would have done it before but i don't think that it lived up to the promise of what i hoped it would right it got to a certain point and then it for our uses and our beliefs kind of stagnated mm -hmm. and i think that this can be tied in exactly when slack grew as a company and decided that they wanted to go for the enterprise which made total sense for them as a company i know where they know why they did it but this idea of like this handcrafted uh chat tool for design focused indie people mm -hmm. which is definitely what it was when it started mm -hmm. that kind of went away right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as I yeah. said, I said before this acquisition was even rumored, I stand by it. If I was starting something fresh today, I would look at other options. Right mm -hmm. now for me, it would probably be Discord, but I would look around more because there are, right? And, and this is a thing, like me and Gray were talking about this um, a couple of weeks ago on our State of the Apps episode of Cortex. Over the next couple of years, you, you will be able to trip and fall into 12 different companies making something like Slack because... So many people are now using these tools, so there's more investment in it. And also, so many small companies are going to be frustrated by the tools that they're using and try and make something that's like Slack, which is how Slack began in the first place. Slack was made by a company that was making a web video game, and they needed a, a collaboration tool, so they made a tool. That tool became Slack, you know. 
it's a wonderful little story, right? Like genuinely. But now I am not sure that the comp- that Slack's goals are going to, you know, I don't know if they're going to align with mine any more or less than, than what they did before. I could imagine them being able to focus the product in ways that I like, but I also imagine them to go more enterprisey, right? So, you know, I am not in, even if it was my sole decision to move the Relay FM Slack to another service, I wouldn't do it because there's nothing out there right now where I feel the need to disrupt like 40 people. And like if Slack would have sold to Facebook, right? I would think about it, right? <laughs> I would be like, mm, I don't know if I want all of that data in a company that makes their uh, money on data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but Salesforce, I don't know. I'm fine with it. But like I'm, I don't feel the desire or need to jump. But if I was starting something new, I wouldn't go for my default, which was spin up a new Slack. Uh, I want to touch back on the pricing a little bit. So... Microsoft 365 is $5 a month for business, but you only get online versions of Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. And a lot of businesses want like native versions and they want Outlook. So that makes 365 $12.50 a user a month if you buy it for a year. Uh, yep. So I looked up our billing for Slack. We have 41 active users in Slack. We're on the standard plan. So we paid $328 last month for Slack as a, as a company. So it is Slack is a little bit more expensive on the plan that we're on. But if you're looking at what you actually want out of Microsoft 365, you're going to spend uh, you're going to spend more than than that a month. Yeah, but you get all of Office 365. Right, right. Like, I mean, yeah, that, that's the yeah, that's the important thing. For that $328 a month, we get just Slack. Right. right? And if we wanted just Teams, we could get by with the $5 a month. But I really wanted to right. highlight like comparing them apples to apples is tricky because you get all these other all these other things. And if you move up a level in Slack from where we are, it's $12.50 a month, just like Microsoft 365 business standard. So you're paying $12.50 ahead for Slack or twelve fifty ahead for all of the office apps locally, like on your Mac or PC, and Teams and Exchange and OneDrive and stuff in the cloud. So three sixty five is more mm, more approachable because you're just paying one fee and you just get mm-hmm. something like Slack thrown in. Um, you know, it's interesting. My uh, wife is teaching and our two kids in public school, like they're virtual right now and they're using teams like the whole school year has been built around microsoft teams it's been interesting to see how quickly they've evolved it because uh, a lot more people are relying on it in 2020 just like everything else like we mentioned zoom earlier and it just it boggles my mind that slack basically didn't do anything that slack today is more or less the same as slack was a year ago and Teams has gotten much better. Now, I don't doubt that they were working on it, right? But like, they just didn't get there, and Microsoft did, and and that, I mean, that's why they are now in the position where they can be bought by Salesforce because they're not as valuable as they should be. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, uh, it's really kind of disappointing, actually. And I'm with you. Like, I don't want to move us. Uh, I've no interest in that. But it is a uh, just a very interesting time if this was. If this was part of your uh, 
setup in your business and you don't have any other stuff with Salesforce and who knows what they'll do on the business side. But I think for people who are using Slack for free, which you can do up to a certain point, uh, they also give away their standard accounts if you're a registered nonprofit. And I've set several people up on that and they're all nervous that, you know, is Salesforce going to make us start paying for this? There's a lot of unknowns yeah, that's uh, too much of a publicity era. I think so too. Yeah, you can't. That's basically what I told them. Is like they're not. They can't do that. Like that would be a nightmare from a PR <laughs> perspective. Like every nonprofit in America is just like, nah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't, can't do that. Have accounts uh, anymore. No, but it's yeah, just... it's interesting. So Federico, I want to know why you think. Like, is this why you're thinking about moving away from Slack? Because on App Stories, you've been talking about how you and John are just kind of like burning down all your Mac Stories infrastructure and rebuilding it. Does this acquisition feed into that decision-making at all? Yes. Um, so I just want to say a couple of things about this. Um, one, I don't really like the idea of a tool that I use being owned by this sort of businessy, very corporate megacorp. I, I, I don't know. I just don't like it. It just doesn't sit well with sort of a, my, my, my personal taste. And I don't like the idea that I go to their website and I, and I don't understand what they do. You know, I just go to salesforce.com and I see a bunch of pictures of white guys saying that they are CEOs. I don't really like it. I, I, don't, I don't understand what Salesforce is. That's probably my limitation, right? Uh, but it's just one of those like um, first impression type of thing. And it's run really good for me. And I, I don't know. I just don't like it. But the other thing is... Um, I think because we are a smaller, you know, we're a lean operation... Uh, you mentioned how for Relay you would have to disrupt 41 people. And for Mac Stories, at this point, we would have to disrupt three people. That's including me, plus the occasional collaborators. Collaborators do whatever you tell them, right? Exactly. Hey, so, you can't boss me around. They can keep logging into Slack, just nobody else is there. Exactly. <laughs> considering that, considering that uh, I think we are in a position... We, by default by nature of our own company, we would be in a position to say, okay, we, we can try new stuff without making any major change, without making any major disruptions and we're going to be fine. But also, it feeds into the into what we're doing now, what we've been doing for the past couple of months. Uh, you know, looking ahead at 2021, we're changing a lot of the ways that we operate because we want to expand in 2021. We have a lot of ideas and I've, I've been... You know, my my admin timers in Timery have, have logged a lot of hours in the past few months. And uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, manager-type stuff lately. But but that's part of the reason why, because we are doing this now. We, we are in this process now of rethinking our operation. And this is kind of perfect timing for it, because of all the alternative services that we were looking into, Discord was one of them for some other ideas that we have in terms of using Discord in 2021. And I'm looking at alternatives, right, for, for our internal team-based communications. I wanna, uh, I've wanna, i been taking a look at Teams and uh, the fact that it, that it leans heavily into the Office 365 integration and, you know... Uh, I don't think I'm gonna need that. I don't think I'm. I don't think we're interested in that. 
But I'm looking at, uh, you know, I'm looking at HipChat. I'm looking at the, what, what's the service by the Todoist folks called? Uh, Twist. 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 I'm looking at, like, I'm keeping all my options open. But I'm leaning toward Discord because if it's a tool that I'm going to be using anyway, I might as well jump in for the Mac Stories team internal communications too. And I also, I personally, because ultimately I get to make these decisions, I personally gravitate toward these kinds of companies, you know, the medium-sized company that is still independent, that has a that has good taste, that has a clear communication, that is not, you know, like a bunch of suits telling you what you gotta do. And uh, I, I gravitate towards something like Discord in 2020, just like I used to gravitate towards Slack six years ago. And uh, I am a little bit turned off by the likes of Salesforce. And, they, uh, you know, lots of, lots of people are saying really interesting things and how Slack may be a super smart acquisition and everything is going to be fine. And I believe them. They know more than I do about this stuff. They may be right, but it's the general feeling that I get and, and I tend to value my feelings a lot for these things. And that's why I'm leaning toward, you know, it's been a fun six, seven, what, I don't even remember, years using Slack. Mm-hmm. But I think we are in a position to try something new. And I think that's fair, and there there are a lot of alternatives. And I think Mike and Gray are right. There's going to be a lot more in the in the coming year. So, uh, Salesforce, way to go! Let's take our last break. How does that sound? Go for it. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Storyworth. For many of us, the holidays look a bit different this year. Friends and family reunions might not quite be the same, but that shouldn't stop everyone from feeling close with each other. So a meaningful gift this year is a chance for people to tell their stories and share memories using StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun new way to engage with family, especially those you can't see in person. One thing that's great about StoryWorth is they include questions that I would never think to ask. And uh, getting to learn about family history, like the time my grandparents' house burned down. I didn't know that before going through StoryWorth with somebody. It was really fascinating, and uh, thankfully no one was hurt, but something I didn't know that was in our, in our past as a family. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts with questions, like I said, you never think to ask uh, yourself. So things like, what's a small decision that you made that ended up being a big impact on your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to know? And reading the weekly stories is fun and helps everyone feel closer when not together. After one year, StoryWorth will compile your stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. So give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. Get started right now with no shipping required, by going to storyworth.com slash connected, and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash connected for $10 off. Our thanks to StoryWorth for their support of this show and Relay FM. I have a story to tell. Okay. Okay. You guys, you guys sound excited. Yeah. Well, you're not really selling it. I got a great story for y'all. Okay. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> Woo. Yes. <laughs> Let's get into it. So I bought my wife a M1 MacBook Air 
It's fantastic. It If you're looking for a computer and a MacBook Air fits the bill, you should go buy a MacBook Air because it's really great. Mm-hmm. It's so great, in fact, that after using it for just a few days, I thought, I need an M1 MacBook Pro. And so I ordered uh, a MacBook Pro for myself with the M1. Really like it. Really awesome. Never hear the fan. The battery life's ridiculous. But doing this the way that I did it meant that I had to juggle data around. So at first, I moved my user and applications from my 16-inch MacBook Pro to the MacBook Air. And then my MacBook Pro came in like a week later or something. So I went from the Air to the new MacBook Pro. And then I was going to erase the MacBook Air, reinstall Big Sur, and put Mary's information on it from her Intel MacBook Air that we were replacing with this new M1. So I I had four, three or four data transfers to do all in the course of, you know, a couple days. So it went, it went uh, pretty well. I, you know, moved my stuff from the M1 Air to my M1 Pro with a Thunderbolt 3 cable. It was really fast completely silent because the M1 Macs are really good. And then I figured, okay, um, let me let me wipe this M1 Air. And I will say recovery mode is way nicer on the Apple Silicon Macs. Remember you have to like press command R or like command option R if you wanted something else. It was really confusing. Mm-hmm. Now you just press and hold the power button and you just keep holding until you say load until you see loading startup options. And then you just click the option that you want. Like, it's way better, way cleaner. I wish they would bring this to the Intel Max, but I guess they're not going to. It's like a firmware change, I guess. But uh, really, really cleaned up and nice. So anyways, uh, I figured, okay, well, I'll go in. I'll delete the APFS volume, make a new one. You name it, you know, Macintosh HD or whatever. And then I'll just install Big Sur from recovery mode. No big deal. Done it a thousand times on Intel Max, it feels like. The container erased, set up the new one, very easy, very fast. But then Big Sur would start to install, and then it would fail with the weirdest install message I've ever seen. So I wrote it down. An error occurred while preparing the update. Failed to personalize the software update. Please try again. (laughs) Personalize? Failed to personalize the software update. What does that mean? I want my software updates handcrafted, or I just don't want them. Custom personalized handcrafted software updates. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Artisanal, Artisanal software updates. That's right. Uh, my guess is that at some point it installs specific things for specific machines, maybe. Anyways, I don't know. Super weird. I find stuff like that so strange, right? Like, someone wrote that. Like, the computer didn't write that. Yeah, a person thought that was a good sentence. And, like, how does that help the user, like, at all? It doesn't. It, it really things weird. Really doesn't. And so, like, oh, that's, that's weird. Uh, but, you know, I'm a relatively, like, smart Mac person. So I figured, well, I have uh, another ARM Mac sitting here. Let me download... Big Sur on that, and I'll make a USB key installer. You know, maybe for whatever reason, the re- the, the version in recover on the recovery partition is is goofy. No big deal. Plenty of time. Download Big Sur, make a USB installer, and uh, go to install. Same thing. Same weird error. Can't personalize the update. At this point, I'm like, okay, I need to start looking on the internet. Other people have had this problem. So there's this Apple support document saying it could happen 
when reinstalling Big Sur on an M1 Mac running 11.0. But the support document seems to think that 11.0.1 fixes this and that you won't won't run into it. That was uh, not the case in for me. Now, I don't know if it's because I erased the APFS volume, so it didn't know the system used to run 11.01 or 11.01 is supposed to update the recovery version and it didn't somehow, but I couldn't get it to work. And doing some Googling and even like in Discord, people were talking about, yeah, I've had this too already. Like something is going on weird. This document is bananas. So it tells you, you know, you saw this error, don't really know what you could do about it. Uh, you can use Apple Configurator to restore the firmware. Uh, this actually, I don't think, was even on this document at the time. I'm not sure that it was. But um, I went to the later the later section. So you go in into Terminal and like reset the password, and then you erase the Mac from recovery mode, which is not in disk utility. It's like this other utility. What's the difference? Nobody knows. Wait, there's another... The, what's- yeah. What's the other utility? It's called Erase Mac, and it's just a menu bar item in Recovery Assistant. <laughs> All right. I don't know why that is there, but it is. In case you need to erase your Mac, I guess. I guess so. So I erased the Mac. With the utility. Yes, yes erased it, and uh, still couldn't get it going. Still still failed. So I erased it again. It's like the fourth time I've erased this poor, this poor little <laughs> MacBook Air. And... I had to use Terminal to reinstall it because I had extinguished all my other options. And so the, this support document has you open Safari in the utilities window, go mm-hmm. to this knowledge base article, and then you copy a block of text, which what this text does is basically it, cre- it creates a temporary folder on the SSD that you download the Big Sur installer from Apple Clean onto this volume and then you basically wait and wait for it to download and like the little progress bar fills up in terminal like it's 1976 and then you can begin the install once it's done Uh, and that command includes this line of text that maybe it's been in mac os before i haven't seen it before install assistant underscore springboard now, we all know what Springboard is, right? It's the thing that yeah. it's the home screen on the iPhone and iPad. I don't know what it's doing on the Mac. I don't know why it's in charge of opening the new installer I downloaded. But this was mind-blowing that this was the fix. Did you mess something up here? Me? Yeah. No. Like, did you... How did this start? What were you doing? I wanted to erase the Mac... And right. reinstall Big Sur. And so I, I... But why did you do that? Why did you want to do that? Uh, because it had my stuff on it. I needed Mary's stuff on it. Okay. All right. So it was her machine that I would borrowed. I was just double checking that this did, wasn't caused by like you being too much of a nerd. You I know? don't think so. Like, I mean, I went to disk utility. Like I wouldn't use Migration Assistant. I need to root into the subfolder no. and tinker no. with the... And maybe if I'd used the Erase Mac menu bar command, it wouldn't have happened. But mm-hmm. it it didn't stop me from erasing it. Uh, it didn't stop me at any point to say, "Hey, if you do this, you're going to need to download it through the uh, through the terminal." It's all very strange. 
do you think that like there was like a day one uh update basically right mm-hmm. for the do you think that might have been a problem i don't know because it, it, i had run that update and the knowledge base article says if you've run the update you won't have this problem but i still had the problem mm. Mm. i don't know is it fixed now it's fixed now? now and it runs great and we both have m1 notebooks running a big sur and it's fantastic they are very good i love my macbook pro yeah it's it's they're really good and i'm really excited about what comes next i just was like a really mm-hmm. rough start to kind of the under the hood stuff for me I guess you haven't tried to erase yours. I haven't. I don't plan on doing that uh, anytime soon. And I wouldn't erase a Mac for me to use. Like, that would become the problem of the next person, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't I don't know if I would ever need to erase a computer and then reuse it again. Uh, Federico, do you have any M1 Macs? Um, no, not at the moment. You've um, held out? Yeah, I don't. I've been using my Mac Mini slightly more often these days. Again, because I'm on Skype all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't have a, desi- a particular desire for more performance performance at the moment or using. I I'm intrigued by. I'm very intrigued by it. But there's like, if I were to waste money, I would waste it on other stuff. Okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. All right. Well, that was my Mac story. That's a website. Look what I did. <laughs> oh, I did. I got it. That's good. That took me a while. I got it. I think that's it this week. Okay. If you want to find links to the stories we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash three, two, three. While you're there, there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do. You can become a member, support the show directly, and get Connected Pro, which has some sort of surprise from Federico this week, which we're both... Mike and I are really scared of. Just don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, you can also send us feedback or follow up. There's an email link on that page. You can find us all on Twitter. Mike is there as I M Y K E. Mike, are you building any keyboards this week? I'm not going to be building a keyboard, but I am going to be streaming some keyboard related activities. Um, so that's going to be on Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. I have some new keycaps that I'm going to be putting on a keyboard. You can find Federico on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, which runs atop Microsoft Teams this week, apparently. <laughs> Federico, I have a question for you. Okay. How have you changed from when you were in high school? Oh, These questions... <laughs> Uh, how much time how much time do we have (laughs) Uh, I will give you uh, two minutes I'll try to be shorter than that Uh, I used to get a lot more angry in my younger years Mm -hmm. and I think temper I uh, yeah I have a a more moderate from that that way now Um, I have very strong opinions about stuff but I try not to get angry as frequently I, I I guess the the the, the biggest uh, realization over the past decade plus was that I can be just fine without I wow this is deep I I can get by just fine and I and I feel happy and satisfied with my life despite having lacked what a lot of other people have in terms of family relationships and and that was a big thing for me to realize over the years. And uh, 
And I also have a lot more money than when I was a kid because I didn't have a job and now I do. And so that, that freedom, you know, it, it's really nice to be able to live on your own and buy the things that you want to buy and, and invest money and, you know, save it. Whereas I, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't have money because I was, I didn't have a job. So yeah, those, those three things I would say. Oh, and also I've changed a lot in terms of my relationship with pets and with dogs specifically, I've become a, I've really become a dog person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. You sound like a better person now than you used to be. And that's the goal, right? I think so. That's ideally that, that should be the expected, you know, outcome. So I, th- I think it's a pretty positive uh, uh, difference, you know, pretty positive change from, from 2007. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and I blog over at 512pixels.net. Net. I'm going to go through like a tech tour thing of my backpack on Twitch at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern on Thursday the 3rd. So keep an eye out for that. Twitch.tv slash ISMH. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Pingdom and Storyworth. And until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.